Welcome back, guys. Before we get into this week's episode, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Follow us on our social medias if you haven't. We got a Twitter. We got an Instagram. We got a Patreon. And last but not least, we have our hotline. If you want to tell us a story for a change, give us a call, send us a text, send us a message in a bottle. I don't know how you're going to get it to us, but you can do that too. Numbers right here, numbers in the description. Strap on in, get ready for the show. Strap on. (laughs) Strap on. back for explorers to this another episode of the ask cat spirit hour i'm the colonel this is caleb i'm sure you hopefully know that by now i would guess we have a pretty core audience we do we have yeah. our regulars do regular roll call hi my mom <laughs> hi bunger hi Brittany, and brian i think that's it i Lindsay. think my mom uh, Lindsay. um i think my mom told some of her students to watch so if you're <laughs> one of my mom's students hi i'm the one that my mom talks about <laughs> demand uh, extra credit <laughs> yeah and i, I it, Here's what's going to blow your mind. I'm his father. Bring that up. Uh, speaking of uh, weird stuff, how was your week? Uh, good. We had some we had some weird, spooky moments at the bar this week. Yeah. Uh, so I always talk about the backlights changing. That's kind of a permanent state of being now as those backlights change. Yeah. For the first time ever, all of the lights all at once changed. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm starting to wonder if it's not just the lights dying. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. We'll replace them, and we'll be able to know. What's interesting is they have been replaced at least once, um, and they s- still act that way. So yeah. maybe the ghost is just deciding to spread out. It's gotten comfortable. It's like, these guys are cool with sharing the space. That, and I have what uh, aptly we call my emotional support water bottle. It's anyone that has one knows what I'm talking about. It's yeah, a metal water bottle that you can... I have one right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so whenever I come into work, I usually have bags full of prep stuff that I set. Uh, I have a little kitchen bar, and I set it on one side. I go clock in, I use the bathroom, and I come back out to unpack the bags. I usually set my water bottle with it. Well, the other day, I did that, exactly that, set it on the, set it on the table, clocked in, used the bathroom, came back. My water bottle was in a completely different spot. Yeah, ghost pranked. Yeah. Ghost pranked. <laughs> Which is my favorite thing. Ghosts move and stuff. I saw like a little short about it. They're actually not ghosts. They're people on another dimension. And they're like, I didn't fucking put this here. Why is it here? And they set it somewhere else. Yeah, it's like a variant of you. And you guys are passing through on one another. It's like, where's my water bottle? And what is this sticker? I don't remember this sticker. It's purple? I thought mine was blue. <laughs> like when it down. in like paranormal activity movies where all the stuff is popping open, they're just like, where did I put that? <laughs> and we're like, ah! <laughs> The covers won't stop slamming back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I can't find the soup. I don't know where I put it. It's very important that I find it. Well, uh, in headlines today, I'm going to talk. This is a, just a heavy segue. <laughs> just we're done talking about that now. Uh, no, but I want to talk a little bit about space. Uh, the first thing, speaking of where did I put that, or more in this case, how long has it been there? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Preser- uh, Perseverance, the rover that is currently on Mars, um, has some samples that prove that water's been on Mars significantly longer than we thought. Nice. Like hundreds of years longer than we thought. Jesus. Yeah, yeah which is exciting, because I remember just a couple of years ago when it was like, do you think there might be water on Mars? It, in 10 years, we're going to break through to some cave planet on the inside of Mars and be like, oh, this is Eden, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's, oh, shit, and they're, it's Wakanda, it's inside Mars, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was pretty fascinating, because there are big implications to that. It does mean that there may have been life previously on Mars, mm-hmm. or that it's capable of generating it in the future. Yeah, we could be at the beginning or the end, or the end and beginning of a life cycle for Mars. Yeah, which is kind of scary to think, like, imagine if, and well, I guess... In the 13th planet, they do believe this. But imagine if aliens had landed right at the beginning of mankind and sort of inserted themselves, which, again, is quite literally what that belief is. Yeah. The Anunnaki visited us. But, yeah, it's an interesting idea to be able to be at the inception of a planet because you, you have no idea what scary monsters might be coming because you haven't even started yet. But then that brings into the question, will you affect it? Yeah. You know, would, would you being there, what if... 
what if Mars is capable of creating like big scary Martian dinosaurs and humans being there now at the beginning will eliminate that from ever happening we just get like cat girls <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's is that because Grimes is there? Yeah, Elon Musk and Grimes <laughs> are gonna inhabit Mars and just create Martian cat girls. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your what's your first story? Um, my first story is in Texas on Thursday afternoon. There was a five vehicle crash that was caused because of a quote meat product spill. <laughs> uh, hey, we've all been there. A semi truck was transporting meat product in this entire article it says meat product yeah what does that mean is that like the pink slime they make chicken nuggets out of it doesn't say and it's the weirdest thing but it said it was traveling along i-10 in texas when it lost its load on the highway (laughs) yes it did the spilled meat product created slippery conditions and when a second semi-truck tried to avoid the spill the rig slammed into the guardrail and another car causing a chain reaction crash involving a total of five vehicles and setting one on fire. Uh, a portion of the wreck, which occurred on the elevated portion of a highway, even fell onto the roadway below. This is like the Great Molasses Flood. It's such an oh, embarrassing yeah. way to die. I just my condolences to the dead. Is. I think it's probably the pink slime. It's you know it's got to be some processed thing. It it says that the uh, crash is still under investigation. Yeah, I would imagine. It reminds me of when uh, my family first moved. Um, we moved from Montana to Arizona when I was a kid, and my dad was watching the news and a Shamrock Farms, which is a local dairy truck, had tipped over on the freeway in Phoenix, and there was milk all over the freeway, but the reporter in the helicopter was playing it far too safe, and was like, there appears to be a wet, watery, liquid substance all over the freeway. It's milk, it's milk. We all, it's 2%. We can see it. It's on the side of the truck. (laughs) It's just like uh, the other day I was telling you, on my way to work each day, for like two and a half weeks now, I've seen a bunch of... um, Oh, why can't I think? Uh, not cantaloupe. Cauliflower. Cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> on the side of the highway. Yeah. It's just like boxes and boxes of cauliflower on the side of the well, highway. Well, once you drop a box of cauliflower, yeah, it's, it it's lost to the world. Yeah, it's just left. You're, nobody's picking that up. <laughs> nobody's going to come steal it. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Well, my second story goes back to space as well. Uh, speaking of Grimes and Musk being the only people on Mars, if uh, the Waz has it his way, that's not going to be the case. So Wozniak has revealed uh, a trailer, I guess, a reveal. I don't know. It, with companies, it's weird when they do this stuff. Yeah. He's announced uh, Privateer, which is going to be his uh, public-facing space exploration company, which is exciting. Um, the trailer really reminded me of the Kokomo scene from yeah. Space Force. <laughs> I It looks like, to me, like a Ford Focus commercial. Yeah, it really feels <laughs> like at the end there's just going to be a... Some comment about MSRP and pricing and interest rates. Because uh, if you go and see it, uh, it's like slow clips of people doing things and then space. And it's got like a voice in the background that's like, the things we do as humans are astonishing. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to sell me a Lincoln at the end of it, which, isn't it? <laughs> which really speaks to like how commercials pull on our heart. They're so manipulative. Yeah. Like, it, the fact that that immediately to you isn't like, oh, this feels like a film. No, this is a car commercial. I'm about to get sold something. It's far too emotional. The car commercials now are like, when's the last time you hugged a friend? Yeah. Will anyone remember when you, you when you die? Do you Subaru have... Subaru Outback. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, what, what was that? For those who missed out on life. Do you yeah. have a fear of missing out? Never miss out again with the new Jeep Liberty. <laughs> Sports Deluxe Package. Uh, yeah. Speaking of things being found for hundreds, if not thousands of years, <laughs> uh, in Siberia, a lion cub was found in a layer of permafrost. So cool. So cool. I'll put up a picture of that behind us, because that is so cool looking. Uh, the female cub named Sparta had traces of her mother's milk inside her still intact org- uh, organs, had fur and a full skeleton. That's so cool, man. She's a whole thing. Uh, I think I mentioned it on the show before because we talk about dinosaurs. But when I was in fourth grade, my teacher's husband was on the team that found the fully intact mammoth oh, nice. that they intended to clone. And he was the coolest guy, you know, when he'd come to visit. Because they were a happy married couple. He'd bring her lunch all the time when yeah. he was in town. And it was just. Dinosaur guy, dinosaur yeah, guy. it was just like having Dr. Grant in class for 30 minutes. It was like, what's a velociraptor like? I don't know. I don't know. I do mammoths. <laughs> this uh, this lion cub, they carbon date it to have roughly lived 28,000 years ago. That's so cool. And then uh, shortly after, they found another, a male cub, 50 feet away. Okay. 
And you might be thinking, oh, were they from the same litter? Nope, they were from different litters and uh, born thousands of years apart. The male cub was carbon dated to 43,448 years ago. That's crazy. It, you know, we had, we just sit here and we're like, oh, that's interesting. That's a funny, you know, what a coinkadink. What if that's that specific patch of land is cursed to that animal yeah. and that curse occurs <laughs> every like <laughs> few thousand years? One lion cub will die on this rock because of some deal they made with the devil. And we just don't know because we're humans. Yeah. We just have no idea. They made with uh, demon, demon tigers, demon lions. <laughs> well, I, we don't. We have never talked about it on the show because we don't talk about the birds are not real conspiracy. But I like to think that birds have gangs. You know, we call them flocks. We got all these little names for them. No, they're cliques. Because sometimes you'll see, sometimes you'll see like a a murder of ravens. But there's also a couple other birds in there too, yeah. like mixed in. Like, that's a gang. That's a that's that is. Just into it. Yeah, exactly. They go steal a dude's French fries. We'll let you in our gang. It's like a really tough Robin, you know. <laughs> yeah, because like seagulls, seagulls are the most malicious yeah. of all the birds. My history reading Batman comics, there are no really tough Robins. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But there's one really ornery penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things being lost to time, yeah, kind of have a two-parter this yeah, week and so, next week. Yeah. So today is the beginning of a two-part episode. Uh, we'll follow up next week we will be here next week this last week we just had to take a little bit of a break but we'll be back next week uh with the second half of the story and you guys may remember oh man last year probably middle of last year mm -hmm. we did an episode on ape canyon ape canyon is in washington and it's called as much because one night a bunch of as they're known rock apes or as we would probably colloquially call them uh sasquatches sam squanch sam squanch as they call them up north in the trailer park land um, they attacked a bunch of miners. They mm -hmm. threw rocks at them, they growled at them, they screamed at them, and they kicked them off this mountain. Uh, and since then, Ape Canyon, that area, has been sort of a hot spot for Sasquatch sightings. However, it's not the only place historically that is a hot spot. Um, if we want to really go back to sort of the roots, which we're going to today, you have to go to Asia. You do. Um, because fundamentally the beginning the gigantopithecus that is probably sasquatch we're going to entertain that for this episode for the sake of conversation uh the yeti is the oldest recorded uh per observed sasquatch type character mm -hmm. um and of course that's in tibet and in nepal um and what we're talking about today is mostly the vu kang uh, nature reserve in northern vietnam but we're going to be talking largely about vietnam and cambodia because yeah. uh, we're talking today we're talking the first half we're going to cover uh the sasquatch sightings that occurred during vietnam uh, the second half is going to be focusing on one specific case of a very plausible real sasquatch or whatever i'm hesitating because yeah. you know whatever they i'm not like it was a real sasquatch but it was possibly a real organic animal that was shipped out during the vietnam war but that's what we're going to talk about next week um this week we're going to talk about just sort of the legend of the of the rock ape the batatut batatut uh, yeah as it's also known um, in Cambodia and in Vietnam. And that's what we basically know as the Sasquatch. Uh, Caleb, why don't you give them kind of a brief on the rock ape over there? Yeah, so the Batatut, or the Ujit, yeah, the Ujit. different names, um, is this humanoid cryptid, uh, very similar to Bigfoot or the Yeti, um, that is believed to be the natural inhabitants of the dense jungle in Vietnam and Cambodia. Yeah. Um, Prior to uh, the Vietnam War, really, no one ever ventured into those jungles because they were very dense and very dangerous. Yeah. Um, I mean, just in the late 90s, the largest cave system was discovered in those jungles because it's so dense and so wild that no one just knew it was there. Yeah, the jungles, I mean, I've spent a little bit of time in Vietnam. It's easily my favorite foreign country, uh, and the jungles are incredible. The You can go out to, you know, Heilong Bay and... The way that the rocks come out of the water there, it just feels, you know, is the inspiration for Avatar. Yeah. The, the, like, sky village there. And it feels so ancient and so old, but it still feels very undiscovered. Yeah. It's like in Tomb Raider, when you break through into the secret valley, you know, it, that's what a lot of Vietnam feels like. Mm -hmm. And the, the jungle is incredibly dense. I mean, that's, the Vietnam conflict was defined by how dense that jungle was. Yeah. America believes in rolling in tanks, and they couldn't roll in tanks. Um, so there's 
Local legend believed that a group of individuals or creatures live in these jungles uh, known as the wild men or the forest men or, like we said, the Batut-Tut yep. or the Ujit. Um, and they're described as being approximately 2.1 meters tall or 7 feet tall. You think uh, Chewbacca. Yeah, covered with red or reddish-brown hair or fur. Um, it's funny what it covers, though. Typically, it says it covers everything except the face, the hands, the feet, and the kneecaps. <laughs> well, in all fairness, I mean, if it's humanoid but it still uses its knees relatively often, it, you wouldn't have hair on your kneecaps for the same reason you don't have it on your palms yeah, or the bottom of your Yeah, because you're constantly feet. using yeah, it. Yeah, because it's touching stuff. They're um, moving at least all the time. But like I said, the... Take the, it easy on the knees, you know? Be nice to them. But the, they're Sasquatches. We yeah. know what they look like. You guys know what this guy. It's the... Big, tall... Yeah. The, the, the guy from the woods. The, uh, well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say guy. I can't gender yeah. the Sasquatch. Who knows? The, the creature. Ape. Yeah. Um, it's a bipedal creature, so it walks on its two, two legs, two feet. Yes. And has been sighted both alone and in large groups. Yes. And the sightings... Um, it's known to be able to jump incredible heights. Yes. And you, you go back to listen to the, the Ape Canyon one. Yeah. Common theme. Yeah. We both... And you know what's funny is when we did that episode, it was one of our first Sasquatch episodes. Uh, we've had a few. Uh, Alaskan Triangle one's really good, too. Uh, but the idea of them being able to like move really quickly or jump high came up a lot more often than I thought. Mm -hmm. And in that Ape Canyon battle, that's basically the entire story because they were jumping from the trees to the roof of the building. Yeah, I just, when you think Sasquatch, you do think this guy. You don't yeah. think, you know. Yeah, it's not parkour. Um, and up until... Essentially, the Vietnam War, it was widely believed to, or Vietnam conflict, because we lost and we renamed it, <laughs> um, it was widely believed that they were a peaceful creature. Uh, the people of that area respected their space and knew that the like wild men would respect theirs. And we saw a shift ever since the Vietnam War started. Yeah. Um, the idea or the description of these creatures are pretty much the same with a little bit of variation depending on who's writing about it and what area they're in. Sure. Um, typically, like I said, seven foot tall, reddish brown hair, real big and beefy. Uh, but sometimes if you're in more the Cambodia area, they say three to four feet tall with tails. Which yes. is a big which is a big thing that plays into what we'll get into at the end of the episode, and that's theories of what it could be, like we do with every episode. The Ape Canyon apes were described as having tails, which I yeah. thought was interesting. They weren't long, like prehensile tails, but they were described as having tails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is an interesting detail when you think of a Sasquatch. I don't, I don't not think of a tail, but I definitely don't think of a Sasquatch wagon. And stuff, yeah. You know what I mean? Wrapping <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff around. <laughs> um, one of my favorite depictions is a drawing um, of one of these batut tuts and it just looks like a chimpanzee with fabio hair um if i can find it again i'll send it to you to hopefully put it in the edit but i've been called that as both a compliment and an insult <laughs> a chimpanzee with fabio hair <laughs> yeah. yeah i can see it um but yeah so there are so many claims dating back all the way to 1820 yeah this is not a new thing basically as long as history has been explored outside Explored history has been recorded yeah, in the region. I should They've say they've seen these things. The first Western writing. Yeah, because the legend goes back. Yes. The people of the area are very familiar. And like I said, I'm going to get into my theory about the Batatut and like the Yeti and their relationship to giant Giantopithecus in a little bit. Um, but the legend goes back generations, centuries oh, yeah. and centuries. The written history of it as we know it yeah it's all it's the western. western yeah and one thing with it is uh of all the local people it is seen to be like i said peaceful but also a blessing yeah to yeah. see one of these people because they stay uh excluded into their little area and there is a tribe uh, a bunch of tribes in the hills that kind of block between the valley and the jungle um and they're like hey we won't let anyone pass this. Like, this is our area. We don't even go into the jungle. The jungle belongs to other people. Like, you can't get past us. So if anyone inland sees a wild person or a batata, it's kind of like a, 
oh shit, that's a cool thing that I saw. Like, yeah. like uh, it was on purpose. Yeah, the the, the yeti wanted you to see it. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't. You didn't get one over. Yeah. It was a. I'm extending my paw to you. It's like in uh, like British hunting, the gray fox. What's the gray fox? Uh, there's like legend. It's like either a white stag or a gray fox. If you're on a hunting trip and you see one of those, you're not supposed to hunt it, but it's good luck for the hunt ahead. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, this local legend has been around for years, but it's not recorded by, like, written by anyone until we get some Western explorers doing what Western explorers do best and poking their nose around in places they don't belong. Yes. <laughs> uh, which takes us from... Cue the, the French. Yeah. Uh, takes us to the first written instance of the Batut-Tut, and that is in 1820, when a French ship captain named El Rey reported a story told to him by a Jesuit missionary. Man, what a like country salad that is, huh? Yeah. A French ship captain with a Spanish name that means king told to him by a Jesuit missionary. Uh, the missionary claimed to have encountered a race of men with tails. Ooh. And he told him that the hill tribes called them wild men. Yeah, they're, they're referred to as like the forest men or the yeah. wild men. Yeah. Um, and then ten years later... In 1830, Father Francois Isidore Galen recorded a similar story, but in the highlands of Cambodia. Yeah, well, because they've been seen throughout the area. And, you know, it's, I think the first thought is, you know, like, well, if this is the missing link, if it fits, like, I don't know, when I was, if I were to think where would the missing link be now, mm -hmm. my thought would either be Africa or Southeastern Asia, because both of them have such a biodiversity of apes yeah. that it would I mean, right? Yeah. Like, the odds are highest there. And Asia seems very, very common. But this thing has been seen, and, you know, it starts... It's not... There are these written accounts, but it's very well understood in the zeitgeist, even when uh, explorers are coming there, that this is an established lore. This oh, is, yeah. This is an animal that exists in our area. It's not nearly as... In America, the lore behind the Sasquatch is a little weaker because while the indigenous people, we all believe in it, a lot of the people who have come have sort of redefined America's history. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot more people question it there. But historically, I think there are very few indigenous tribes that haven't interacted with something like this that they don't have some sort of story, and everybody yeah. has reverence for it. Well, it's just one of those things, too, like even small little local legend like where i'm from uh there is this local legend garfield cocaine wolf cocaine wolf <laughs> cocaine well you're putting the infliction of the wrong part what um cocaine wolf is a man okay uh he is a man that would always wear a purple suit okay and had a cane and he would go to the bread store uh cocaine wolf also has the nickname bread store pimp um but it was like it was one of those things where if you saw, like you could go to the Facebook page of anyone in their mid to late 40s living in Muncie, Indiana, and being like, search Cocaine Wolf, and you'll be like, you'll never, well, not anymore, sadly he has passed, but 10 years ago you'll be like, you'll never guess who I saw today. I saw Cocaine Wolf. <laughs> he was walking down the street. So it's one of those things where it was widely known where if you went to go visit there and you're like, hey dude, I saw... This dude in a purple suit with That's, a cane? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I've never thought about, because a lot of cities have prominent, like, homeless figures or just sort of, like, prominent, prominent eccentric people. Mm -hmm. I only emphasize homeless people because homeless people are outside so often. Yeah. So people see them a lot. But if you're exceptionally eccentric, people will notice. Yeah. And eccentrics are kind of like the modern, well, they're like a more civilized version of a cryptid. Exactly. Yeah. But like, Every town's got one. In Tucson, we had a homeless guy named Chicago. He wore an entire uh, chain mail hat made out of beer tabs. Really nice guy. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. But it's just one of those things where, like, if no one else knew about it and you came in and you're like, oh, I saw this dude with a cane and a purple suit leaving the bread store, Cocaine everyone would be wolf. like, what are you talking about? But now that there's that like icon in the zeitgeist and you're like, hey, I'm not from here, but I just saw a guy in a purple suit with a cane walking out of the bread store and everyone's like, oh, you mean the bread store pimp? Yeah, we all know him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys talking about Cocaine Wolf? Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's the same thing where a lot of these people, they would go in and they'd be like, we saw these guys with tails, and all the locals would be like, "Yeah, no, we know." Yeah, what are you, what are you freaking out about? Like, we see them all the time. What are you talking about? It's cool. They're probably envious. They're yeah, like, Did you hear them. They yeah. got to see all they the wild men. Um, Damn white boys. Which takes us later in the uh, 19th century, 
which is 1895. Yeah, so about 60 years later. Yeah, an anthropologist, uh, Paul Denjoy, uh, published an article which he claimed to have discovered a population of wild men with tails in Vietnam's central highlands. Uh, and he's like, I even got a hair sample from him. He goes back, he publishes this article, and he's like, you'll never guess what I found. And everyone else was like, you're a fucking idiot. You did not find a Sasquatch, man. They're like, you did not find people with tails. <laughs> you did not find fur. And he was ridiculed for the next 50 years <laughs> until I he mean, passed. There are people who are going to hear this who are going to ridicule us for talking about it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I don't know. It's all right. Joke's going to be on you. Listen, we are slowly, you know, we've got UFOs. The world's ended. We're going to see some other stuff. Sasquatch is going to show up. If it's there, it's showing up. Or they're gone. I wouldn't blame them if <laughs> the first or second time they poke their heads out and they're like, oh, shit, are those white people? we got to pack it up. we got to go. They're going to take our shit. we got to go. I've never thought about this until you said it, but what if just white explorers are the cryptids to other cryptids? <laughs> they're like, fuck, dude, I saw one of those But it's like a dudes curse. Again. Yeah. <laughs> So one of those pale dudes again. It's like you're fucking done for. Do you know that uh, the term in uh, well in both Mandarin and Cantonese for white person is uh, guilo, and it means white devil. Hell yeah. Yeah, or white ghost, but yeah. like, meh, let's be honest, what that means. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I've ever talked about it in an episode before, but you said it's like it follows. You know, my number one cure to figure out the it follows ghost. Just have sex with it. <laughs> the rules of the It Follow Ghost are simple. You have sex with someone else to pass it on, and it kills people in lineage. If you have sex with the ghost, which is a tangible thing, they were able to dump paint on it. If you have sex with the ghost, it has to kill itself, thus ending the cycle. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, you've definitely brought that up. Before. Yeah, I hundred percent have. I bring it up any time yeah, someone bring it up brings up it follows. <laughs> you see me on the streets at all? You just say, "Hey, what's your opinion on it follows?" I'll tell you. What's your strategy? Tweet it to him right now. I'll put his Twitter <laughs> handle underneath him. Um, so we jump a couple more years ahead to 1912. Good year, bad year for boats. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, what's a bad year for boats? Bad year for boats. Sunk. Good year for cars. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but uh, explorer Henry Maitrey. Uh, published a book where he was like, oh yeah, I was hanging out from with some natives from the Central Highlands in Vietnam, and uh, little do you know, they actually shelter a, quote, shelter a peculiar and legendary beast, which he referred to as the wild man. Yeah. And he described it as having a tail like a monkey. Uh, he described the creature as less than five feet tall with thick red hair. Which I believe is what started the... The, we'll get into it in a little bit when we talk about what it might be. But the belief that it might be an orangutan. Yes. Because that does come up later, too. Which is interesting um, because of the two different... There's the two different types, as you've said, that get seen. The one does seemingly resemble an orangutan. And it would be very funny if it is an orangutan and a Sasquatch. And they're, the orangutan's just like the Sasquatch's only friend. Yeah. It's just like, I only hang out with orangutans. Movie. Yeah. I don't fuck with any other chimps, any other apes. Orangutans, they're cool with me. I like, um, them. I like their faces. They're funny. His description, uh, people thus went back and like they interviewed uh, locals that they found and tribesmen and stuff like that. And people were like, no, he's telling the truth. Like His description, the areas he described in his article, all sorts of things, his eyewitness accounts, they were all proven to match up with other people's stories. So that's why he didn't get like ridiculed as much as the guy before him. He was probably, I think it probably depended on how... Uh, respected that explorer was as well. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, the French were pretty obsessed with that area and subsequently. And again, this is all right in or around the Vukang Nature Reserve. Yes. Like it, that's the really dense jungle that we're talking about. Northern Vietnam. Um, more and more different encounters and accounts pop up through the 20s, but it's all the same thing. It's just seeing it in the tree line, uh, red fur, sometimes with the tail, sometimes not not quite sure how tall they are because it's always from a distance so yeah. it's kind of harder to gauge height until we get to the late 40s yeah which in 1947 a french officer uh with a contingency of uh, indigenous troops were walking through the woods when they encountered a creature that he quote quoted in his uh diary neither human nor monkey that's nah, not a monk and he, <laughs> he kind of like tenses up and freezes up and the indigenous sergeant is like Hey man, um, yeah, we know this guy. Like, well, a wild man? Yeah, yeah. we know a wild man. Look at him, isn't he cool? Um, he's like, yeah, we know of them. We leave them alone. We don't hunt them. We don't eat them. 
Like, we let them be. They let us be. And the officer even wrote that all the indigenous men that were in his, like, platoon were just ecstatic to see. They're just thrilled. Well, yeah, because it's seen as a a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, they were being blessed. Which, if you're, you know, especially in that position, if you're, like, working with this French captain and you're gardening through the jungle, it would probably feel very nice to be blessed by the guardian of the jungle. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's fine. You can come through. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the French guy's like, shoot it! (laughs) So, after that, things kind of die down, uh, and then things in the world start to pick up a little bit. Yeah, well, in general, things in Vietnam changed a little bit uh, between the 40s and the 60s. If you don't know what we're talking about, you should look up the Vietnamese Revolution uh, and subsequent ones. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, in the 1960s, this effectively, the sightings start to go up again, which coincides with the U.S. going back, right? Yes, so uh, we hit the 60s, and U.S. troops start entering the Central Highlands. And that's when more and more stories pop up. Well, you know, it makes sense that uh, there'd be a, a period where you wouldn't hear as many sightings if there aren't as many outsiders. Basically, yes. the only people who have, quote-unquote, sightings of the eight men are people that aren't from around here. Because everybody else who sees it just goes, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, this is, well, this is the first time in history that large numbers of humans are entering this jungle at once. Yeah. They're covering a large amount of area. They're setting up camps. They're setting up, like, actual towns inside this jungle. Yeah, it's important to remember that it wasn't until the 50s that Asia started to industrialize. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, China didn't open its mythical doors to commerce until the 70s. Uh, they're actually going into this jungle, and they're clearing patches of land, too. So, like, what was once dense jungle, they're... What has always been What has jungle. always been dense jungle. They're carving pieces out of it and setting up camp there. It's like picking up a rock. You yeah. Know? All the millipedes and worms and stuff that are underneath it. It's like, if you don't see something... You eat those, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what Lion King taught me to do. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> if rubs. you think of it... if you, Matata! If you, like, say, have a warehouse and you see some weird things every so often, but you're only there once a month... When you set up a camera, you're going to see a whole lot more. Yep. Yeah. So absolutely. they're now sometimes passing through. You get a couple of sightings. But now that you're permanently living in there for months, you're going to see a whole lot more stuff. It makes me wonder. We've never looked into it. But I wonder if the deforestation camps in South America, like in the Amazon, if they come across weird stuff. I bet. They'd have to. Because especially with like the legends of like the Thunderbirds and stuff like that. Yeah. And like... Uh, the I forget the names of them. We talked about them in a previous episode when we were theorizing the things that are taking away people in the Alaskan Triangle. Oh, yeah. Uh, the big bird creatures that weren't quite Thunderbirds, but were supposedly coming from yeah, the large South raptors. America. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if you're cutting down their homes if you see more of them. I wonder if that's why they're going to Alaska. Yeah. They're migrating now. They're looking for the next best place. They And they they didn't find it. They got to Alaska and were like, shit, I think we're on a planet. <laughs> Turn around. Did you know it's flat? I didn't realize it was flat. Huh. Uh, so now that we have people setting up camps, we get more and more things. And that takes us to 1966, yep. where the 3rd Marines erected a base near uh, Da Nang City. On the Dongden Mountain, which is not quite cutting through the nature reserve, but it's right to the east of the nature reserve. Yeah. Um, And the Marines are unpacking the trucks to set up this base when all of a sudden a hellfire of rocks just start pelting them to the point where they're hiding behind like sheet metal and equipment and like trucks and Humvees and stuff like that because they're just getting absolutely like barraged with rocks <laughs> the, the old detroit welcome yeah or is that philadelphia philadelphia they throw batteries on the ice yeah. yeah 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 um and then wherever mark Wahlberg's from that's also a thing if you boston. go boston is where he's from yeah whatever city in america uh if you go to mark Wahlberg's wikipedia page there's a whole section about uh his hate crimes um <laughs> yeah he's from boston yeah so the next time you watch ted remember he has an extensive list of hate crimes. <laughs> uh, that movie being one of them. <laughs> the sequel being two of them. Anyway, back to Dong yeah. Den Mountain. So, these Marines are just getting absolutely pelted with rocks to the point where some of them are critically injured. And then it stops. They hear some howling in the distance. They see trees rustling away. And they're like, those were rock apes. <laughs> those were rocks thrown at us. <laughs> those were ape noises. 
those are rock apes. Well, they definitely, I know there were accusations, and we'll get into it again when we talk about what it is, but of gorillas. Yes. Of them being gorillas throwing rocks. Yes. Uh, and from there on out, Dongden Mountain became uh, known as Monkey Mountain to Which the GIs. I, I really enjoy that all it takes to change the name of a mountain to monkey something is for a Sasquatch to throw a stone. Yeah. Because Ape Canyon became Ape Canyon after they all got attacked. That mountain didn't have that name beforehand. It does now. And here, Dongden Den Mountain, which, you know, is already kind of a funny name, <laughs> is now Monkey Mountain, which is kind of, it honestly just sounds like it was translated. Uh, Dongden's another name for a uh, steam house. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, very, very childish, I know, but their currency being Dong makes me, it puts a smile on my face every time. Where are you going today? I'm going to hang out in the Dong Den. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. That's what a <laughs> urinal should be called. That's what the That's a men's bathroom. Yeah, it's a dong den. It's, it's the grouping of the urinals. That's the dong den in a bathroom. There's the uh, shit shack and the dong den. A shit shack has good burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, two years later, uh, Company M, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. We'll get into it as I keep telling stories. I hate the way the U.S. military <laughs> names their shit. Yeah, Give them man. cool nicknames. Yeah, if you're like Company M, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, 2nd Marine. Graders, like what? <laughs> Give it a just... Can we just give him a name? Can nice to meet you. I'm Lance Corporal Smith with the 3rd Battalion M Company C3 B227 Marines. R2 D2. R2 D2. 501st. 501st. CT3669. Nice. Um, so, yeah, the Company M 3rd Battalion 5th Marines uh, were walking down a trail and also reported rocks being thrown at them from Monkey Mountain. You know what I like to think is that that was, like, a jealousy thing. I know it was two years yeah. later, mm -hmm. but maybe, like... Yeah, we got rocks thrown at us, too. <laughs> yeah, like, one guy felt like he, maybe he was supposed to be at Dong Den Mountain, and he missed out, and he was like, well, I want a Sasquatch encounter, and he thought about it for two years, and finally he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie about him throwing rocks on the path. <laughs> Something next to him was like, that was your plan after two years? <laughs> Shut I figured it out. I keep eating these cool M&Ms they invented for us, but... Uh, okay. A year later, in 1969, nice. Yep. Um, a patrol from... Here we go. <laughs> Company D, 1st Battalion, 502nd Infantry Regime, encountered eight, eight rock apes. See, it breaks your brain. On Molten Ridge, which is uh, towards the southern tip of Monkey Mountain, um... As they were walking down the trail. Uh, but at first they didn't realize that they were rock apes. No, they didn't. Uh, they thought they were some other guys in brown. Yes, so they um, were walking down this ridge trail when they saw eight figures walking towards them. And all they saw was this textured brown. And they are like, well, that looks a whole lot like the Vietnamese army uniforms. We should probably be pre prepared for a battle. <laughs> Until they got closer and they're like, those aren't... Vietnamese soldiers, and they open fire. Dude, yeah, it'd be so wild to think it was like eight soldiers coming at you, and then slowly as it comes into focus, you're like, is that fucking Chewbacca? Are those <laughs> Chewbaccas? What the fuck? Shoot! <laughs> and then someone else goes, what the fuck's a Chewbacca? This is 1969. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had eight more years for that. Well, they were really high during this war, so in all fairness. Um, so they open fire on the apes, and one of the ape charges towards the GIs while the other seven retreat, which is very common in primates. Yeah, and that's like vintage gorilla behavior, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the G O R I L L A. Yeah, <laughs> like gorilla of, warfare. Yeah, that's the name of the episode today. Yeah. Um, Roll but, credits. <laughs> all right, see you guys next week. Uh, no, so yeah, it's very like very similar behaviors with silverback gorillas or other primates where the alpha of the group will charge towards whoever is attacking them while the others have time to retreat. And then once those other seven retreated to a safe space, that last one also retreated, um, which we'll get into because they laid into them with gunfire. Yeah, yeah. But they were still able to retreat. Well, you know, I mean, I had a friend when I was in high school who got pulled to legally hunt there was like a preserve it's still ethically dubious to me but there was a legal preserve where he could go and hunt a buffalo mm -hmm. and he did and buffalo have very thick hides but they also have super thick skulls because you know they weigh as much of a, as a car and they run into each other it's like three inches thick and i remember he took with him his rifle like a 30-06 rifle and they also took uh 357 with him um and he shot it twice 
and like tracked it across a uh, forest service road and it was waiting in the clearing for him and those two rifle shots had done almost nothing to it Jeez. and he had to shoot it twice with the 357 at close range to put it down it's a i mean that all sounds like i'm bragging or something i'm not that story is not all that cool but it just speaks to how even large mammals that are alive now take a great deal yeah yeah they're more bulletproof than they seem now uh, there's a lot of reports over the years during Viet during the Vietnamese War that rock apes were seen and somebody saw a bat tut or something like that. And some of those have to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, I'm sure plenty would argue all of it needs to be taken with a grain of yeah. salt. We're not on that team. But some of them do need to be taken with a grain of salt because there are so many monkey species in Vietnam and in Cambodia. And also most of the soldiers who were there were seeing a lot of them for the first time in person, you mm -hmm. know, and it's a very different experience to see an animal like that, or to see any new animal in person, especially once you're older. You think you kind of got like a good idea what they all look like, and yeah. you're like, oh, oh, so I could see that a little bit, but they're not the only ones who felt like it existed. Like the Vietnamese soldiers also saw it. Yes. on a regular basis. They just didn't make a big deal out of it because they knew what it was. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting upset and being like, we saw how crazy they were just like, yeah, we saw some rock apes. We didn't shoot at them. We shot that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stories comes from a book that was written in 2001 uh, called Strange Tales of the Vietnam War. And it was a like story told to the author about an encounter with a rock ape. And it also talks about not knowing what monkey species are there, mistaking it for monkey species. And I'll tell a story here. It was a hot day. The six men were from the one, uh, 101st Airborne Division were taking a break in the middle of the mountainous jungle when the event took place. They had been carrying 100-pound equipment, the unforgiving sun, and a mosquito-infested environment full of unfamiliar sounds and views that were nothing like the American soldiers were used to in their native land. Despite the momentary resting time, they kept their five senses on, for they were aware that the Viet Cong could have very well tracked them, something the natives were exceedingly good at. Suddenly, according to the men, a few small trees located 15 yards uphill began clearly shaking. The soldiers had trained for this, and they got ready for combat to fight the expected VC soldiers, jump out of the bushes. They never imagined what they saw next. <laughs> a long cucumber-shaped head showed up. <laughs> the face, the soldier said, was covered in red hair with a pair of dark eyes and a huge mouth. The creature then stepped out of the vegetation into a clearing, allowing the group to observe the rest of its muscular body, which also featured by the same type of red hair. The purported cryptid wasn't taller than five feet and walked upright. It, stood, uh, it stopped, looked at them as though scrutinizing each and one of the soldiers. What the hell is that? One of the soldiers recall, recalls muttering. It's a rock ape, says another. No, it ain't, a third said. I've seen rock apes, and that sure as hell ain't a rock ape. <laughs> Imagine saying that with such confidence. That's a Sasquatch. No, it ain't. I've seen Sasquatch. That is not a Sasquatch. The warriors didn't take their eyes off the creature. Is it orangutan, isn't it? Asked the first soldier again. Well, if it is, you can't read a map. There are no orangutans in Vietnam. <laughs> Which, other than being a funny dad joke, is also true. Yeah, there aren't any... I mean, for thousands of years, there have not been orangutans in Vietnam. Um, that being said, for thousands of years, there's been no proof of Sasquatch yeah. in Vietnam, too. So we can't necessarily rely on that. But the descriptions are definitely different. Oh, yeah. Um, we get down to another one where the only time we've seen uh, Vietnamese soldiers also attack it. And that is a battalion of U.S. soldiers were walking down a trail near Monkey Mountain when they started getting shot at. And so they took cover behind trees and rocks and the firefight went on for minutes until it just suddenly stopped. And one of the GIs was like, that's not usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> they usually stop when either all of them are dead or all of us are dead. And I don't think that happened. So he peers out from behind the tree when he sees uh, a VC soldier just stopped in fear, just staring off into the distance. And he looks and he sees another one just stopped staring into the distance. So he tracks their eye line and just sees this seven-foot red creature just lumbering, standing there. And he kind of looks back at one of the, the VC soldiers, and he's like, they kind of meet eyes, and they both look at it, and then both sides just start <laughs> firing on this creature. Um, but the bullets seem to have zero effect on it. And so it gets shot for a couple seconds, 
throws rocks at people, throws a grenade back at a guy. Well, that, guy, and that comes up more than once. There, yeah. There's more than one anecdote of grenades being thrown. And vet, more than one Vietnam vet claims that gorillas threw grenades at helicopters. Mm-hmm. Most people believe that they would have been rock apes actually throwing them. Doesn't seem to have an effect, which if you go back and listen to the Ape Canyon episode, is also a common thing. Yeah. One of the miners shoots it like six times before it falls over a tree into a canyon. Yeah, yeah. Um, also very cinematic. In that, I believe we showed a very, very well done digital animation yeah. of that incident. Um, so it finally tosses some rocks, tosses a grenade back at one of the guys, lets out this blood-curdling scream, and then just flees in what is described as leaping through the air in large bounds, almost touching the canopy. Yeah, man, and that's how they were described in uh, Washington as well. Yeah. They just jumped right up into the trees. And uh, since then, in the 70s and 80s, they uh, different North Vietnamese uh, research teams have found footprints that they have castings of. Um, there's one in the Hanoi University that is an actual casting that they found that was like three times larger than any gorilla print they've ever found. So they're like, well, that's fucking weird. <laughs> we should uh, at least put it on display. And also in 1970, British zoologist uh, John McKinnon discovered tracks that led him to believe that an unidentified humanoid lives there. Um, he also took prints of it, and he has them displayed as well. And I think the Destination Unknown, the sci-fi TV show, uh, found prints as well when they went there. Well, found prints. Well, those found guys. prints. We're talking about a number of sightings. Obviously, it was seen a lot during Vietnam. And next week, we're going to talk again about... So we're, next week is about the Minnesota Iceman, mm-hmm. which was a creature that was allegedly one of these rock apes that was smuggled out during the Vietnam War and put on display, and we're going to tell the tale behind that because it really deserves an episode all on its own. But we want to talk a little bit in between now about, uh, I don't know, just sort of the notion of rock apes and the Yeti and the connection. Um, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but for those of you who don't know, we have a episode that does very well on the algorithm because it's called the Joe Rogan Experience, but it's about uh, stoned ape theory. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how... Um, the idea, there's a relatively popular, gaining popularity uh, idea that human beings probably were helped along the line in cognition by uh, consuming psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's now been proven to help the dendrites in your brain, it helps your nervous system, it helps with memory, and then obviously it helps with illusion and imagination and those things as well. But it has a very physiological uh, strengthening of the neurological parts that make humans think, aka our brain, our thinking meat motor, as I like to call it. That's the thing you hate that I call it. And something about those mushrooms is that they grow abundantly in Vietnam and Cambodia. So much so that if you want to plan a fun getaway to Cambodia, you want to go to Angkor Wat or something, you can get psilocybin on pizza. They call it happy pizza, which is accurate. That is absolutely what it is. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... If you sort of take those two theories, or that theory and that locality together, you pair it with the Yeti, it's pretty easy to draw a line from that to what could be close to uh, a human with a tail that varies in size, that keeps to itself, that's able to at least communicate enough to make it clear that there are borders mm-hmm. to be respected. Uh, I My crackpot theory, you know there's that tweet about I've brought this up a couple of times about how before Joe Rogan there was just a burned out old guy who would yeah. tell you, I'm, and I'm that guy. <laughs> you just happen to be my son, you know? Uh, so you have to hear all this stuff. But I don't know. It seems very relevant to me to think that those apes, I could easily see the Yetis consuming psilocybin and being what we now know as the rock apes. Yeah. You know? Uh, what I really want to know is I wonder if, <laughs> you know, do you know who Frank Lucas was? Mm mm. Frank Lucas was a drug kingpin in New York, and he was known uh, for selling heroin. He sold a lot of heroin, and he allegedly imported a lot of it. At the time, heroin uh, was coming out of Vietnam quite a lot because they have poppies there. It's mm-hmm. easy to manufacture, making opium's really easy, and then processing that into heroin. I'm not going to talk about it all on the podcast because I don't need to be on that kind of list. <laughs> uh, but let's just say that it can be done afterwards. So. 
he allegedly would uh, put opium and heroin in dead soldiers' caskets coming home from Vietnam, claiming that no one would be so disrespectful as to open a casket of a dead soldier, and allegedly that's how he brought it in. And uh, there was, all of this is tying together to, you know that Netflix um, story, uh, the Sasquatch, mm-hmm. about the Sas- they, they tried to blame a Sasquatch for killing uh, a couple of guys who got killed in the drug fields just for, you know, regular old drug dealer reasons. Yeah. I wonder if that ever happened with the heroin fields, you know? I wonder if there were any <laughs> bodies that just showed up eviscerated, <laughs> and they were like, oh, the rock apes must have done it. That's crazy. I wish you could uh, dress up as Sasquatch and Hitman. You <laughs> that know? would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is very similar to another theory that while we were doing Discovery, I found this very boomer-written article about the rock apes in the Vietnam War. Uh, and it was talking about how it very well could have been, you know, the copious amounts of marijuana that was being <laughs> smoked during the Vietnam War. Let me just... I, Caleb, you don't have to do anything here, but I'm going to go ahead and say I have consumed enough marijuana to be an expert on the subject. You do not hallucinate at any point. And if you did, it would be more expensive than it currently is. You do not hallucinate. <laughs> I have never once seen a Sasquatch. I've seen the guy in the beef jerky commercials because I get the munchies, but I've never once hallucinated a single thing. And, you know... There's a lot of things that the soldiers were on during Vietnam. Uh, there, there was LSD in play in the later portions of the war. Psilocybin, obviously, like I said, is very abundant over there. However, while psilocybin, a heavy dose of it can definitely play folly with your senses, it's much more of a mental and cerebral drug. Mm-hmm. So I, I shouldn't call it a drug, it's a medicine. Um, and I think that I don't think that even if you were on like a hero's dose, like an ego death dose of psilocybin, I don't know that you would ever see a new thing like that. You might, you might hear something wrong, you know, things will start to swirl around and stuff, but you don't really, uh, when you're tripping like that, you don't create new things. LSD sometimes you do, but this is not, it's not like this was exclusive to the American soldiers that were there. The French explorers that were there for a hundred years previous saw them all the time. And the locals know about them. They yeah. know about them abundantly. So I think that they probably just lived alongside us for a long time. There, There is another theory when you said hearing stuff wrong. Yes. And that is Operation Wandering Soul. Oh, yeah, Wandering Souls. I almost forgot about Operation Wandering Souls. Can I talk about that Yeah, briefly? go for it. One of the most disrespectful yeah. psyops. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we don't talk about, like, MK Ultra and stuff on here much. We could. I really want to retry some of the experience on myself. Um, I think I've probably already done some of them. Anyway, so in that time, the CIA, you know, the there were some really unethical um, ideas during the war. Obviously, there aren't a lot of ethical ideas during war, but the Vietnamese and Asians specifically um, revere the dead significantly more and believe that if the Vietnamese specifically believe that if you don't receive a proper burial, your soul is left to wander forever. Mm. That's what ghosts are. Yeah. There. Um, so, in maybe the cruelest uh, psyop they could think of, uh, and also the least effectual, because yeah. it's like spooky, spooky Halloween. It's David S. Pumpkins shit. <laughs> the government created Ghost Tape 10, which we'll play a little bit of at the end so you guys can hear it. It's just like ghost voices in Vietnamese discouraging the VC soldiers from continuing their fight. They yeah. are basically trying to use ghosts to get them to put their guns down. Uh, and it backfired. It didn't work at all, and all it did was the VC soldiers just knew as soon as they heard it that the uh, Americans were around. Yeah, and to probably the direction. Yeah, and to open fire. From. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, Operation Wandering Souls took a long time to be declassified for obvious reasons, and because of that, the Rock Ape sightings have been stigmatized with sort of the taint of that operation people think that oh they were just hearing this tape but you'll hear the tape and there's well i guess maybe some of the cries could be construed as howls the noise that they're described as having heard and also you know the rocks getting thrown at them and shit is nothing like what's on this tape that feels about that that explanation feels about as strong to me as reefer madness yeah yeah um and then we we have our go-to that we talk about every episode (laughs) 
And that's mass hysteria, baby. Yep, yep. It just everybody went crazy. We talked about it a little bit when we talked about uh, Havana Syndrome. Yes. Yeah, the still ever-evolving. Well, I mean, the first of what will probably be like 12 episodes on Havana yeah. Syndrome. Uh, but mass hysteria is what pretty much everybody involved there was told until it was clear that they actually had brain damage. Mass hysteria is a potent thing, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, confirmation bias is really strong, but... You know, in some of the UFO stories we've had, um, I think if you look at, um, we did an episode, if you guys didn't hear it, we did one about um, the Lowell, Texas and the Loveland, Texas UFO sightings, the worst uh, UFO cover-up the government has ever done, and why we laugh at the government when they talk about covering up things. Um, Because that case, that's kind of what they tried to say happened, but it was an entire city of people, independent of one another, that all saw the same thing. That's what this feels like. This and this is over the course of hundreds of years. It's I think it's very um, <laughs> it's very uh, colonial to be like this thing you've talked about, revered, respected, and understood for thousands of years is actually just white people on drugs because they said they saw it. Yeah. No, no, it's a thing that exists here that everyone from here knows about. No, it's not. Yeah, it's just like, no. it's no, that thing's not real. We we drew it on walls. Well, it's not real. It's not real, and it's only because of um, the war and cannabis and our psyops. And it's like, no, it's on a fucking cave. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to, like, talk about when it comes to mass hysteria and, like, just confirmation bias stuff like that is there were a lot of species discovered in the this jungle yeah. after the fact oh i mean that's still happening there was a new species of bat just discovered a few years ago yeah. and when it comes to mythological creatures or cryptids that's a common thing where it's like uh the giant bats that were like carrying away people and eating them in legend in the philippines and it's like well that's crazy couldn't be it and then they figured out no there are like four foot Five foot tall bats. Dude, the Kraken. Living in the you talk about this all the time. Yep. The Kraken. The Kraken was something that couldn't possibly exist. It must be of lore until we discover that there are, you know, 60, 80, 100 foot long deep sea squids that can easily take down a ship. Exactly. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, never mind. That just really did exist. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's very easy to chastise people and be like, no, it's a new, it's a new world illusion. It's like, no, this is mythological. It's been with us for a very long time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's false. It just means that we've spoken of it in reverence the entire time. And the fact that the world's largest cave system, I know I talked about it earlier, the world's largest cave system, I want to reiterate <laughs> that, was discovered in this jungle in the 90s. In the 90s. There are, there's a cave in Vietnam, a cave system so large that it has a rainforest inside it, underneath another rainforest. When you want to get into like serious Middle Earth fantasy land, when I talk about Vietnam feeling like somewhere else mm-hmm. and older, it's because it feels like you're in a mythological story. It's just the nature is so much more unexplored. Yeah. You know, and it's so much more rugged. I don't know. I think there's plenty to hide there. If yeah. this is easily... I think it's more plausible that the Vukang Nature Reserve is full of Sasquatches than Washington is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's significantly more plausible because it's way easier for them to hide there. I think, you know, we say things like, oh, well, why don't we ever see them? Well, because maybe they weren't ever... Maybe they were endangered by the time the North American ones were discovered. And all the other ones... The original ones, the only ones left, live in Vukang, and they live there because they can. Yeah. They can hide in caves because it's the world's largest cave system. And these aren't little caves. These are huge volcanic caves. Like I said, one has a rainforest inside, inside. of it. You tell me that a rainforest, there isn't some crazy rainforest animals that live inside the rainforest under the rainforest that we haven't discovered? Yeah. Come on. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, I don't know, you have people that are so quick to displace mythos and cryptids and stuff like that that are so willing to accept scientific fact where you have like scientists thought they discovered a new type of bird like last year but it was actually just a seagull covered in curry powder (laughs) i mean look at the brontosaurus forever we thought the brontosaurus was a real dinosaur it wasn't it's just a brachiosaur turns out that exact dinosaur didn't exist science is about observation it's about precedent and it's about uh, you know analysis. So I don't, I don't know that it really. When we talk, when we talk about cryptids, I know it's easy to think about Discovery Channel and dudes in dumb leather hats that look like they're in a Tool cover band or yeah. something. But 
the reality of it is there's a lot of undiscovered nature or misunderstood nature. There's so much we still do not even begin to understand. And, I mean, look at bioluminescence. What an mm -hmm. incredible thing. That doesn't make any sense in the, like, greater scheme of human biology because there's so much beyond us. Yeah. And I think once you open your mind to that and you understand that, it's easier to see that creatures like this could very well exist and probably do in some form. It's, it's, I think it's just naive to assume that we've seen all of it or that we saw all of it. Plenty of things may have come and gone that we did not witness. Yeah, which is, I love that explanation too of like, oh, we saw this monkey thing that we've never seen before. And someone's quick to be like, no, you saw a monkey thing we have seen before. Yeah. Why, why are you cutting hairs like that? Yeah. Why are you splitting <laughs> hairs like that where it's like, it very well just could be a primate we haven't seen before. And people are like, no, it wasn't. It was one that we have seen before that doesn't exist here anymore. And it's like, why are you so willing to accept that as your answer and not willing to be like, okay, it could be, it could be a primate we've never seen before because yeah. this is a dense, unexplored jungle. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think it's much better to be uh, sort of optimistically analytical. You yeah. Know, like, I'm, I'm an optimistically agnostic person. Do I believe in all this stuff? I certainly hope so. Do I necessarily <laughs> believe in it? No. I'm still going to need some proof to yeah. believe in it. But I would, man, you're telling me that a world with UFOs and Sasquatches and uh, mind control uh, radio arrays in Alaska, yeah. like that stuff isn't more fun than the world that we have? Yeah, of course. And it's a, it's, I think it's a good form of escapism, but I also think that there's like some legitimacy that gets lost. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's totally, I don't think Nessie exists because physiologically Nessie couldn't exist because there isn't enough sea life for something like that to exist. It's too small. I do think that the rock apes of Vietnam very well could exist because everyone who's ever lived there says they do and they have the perfect place to hide. Yeah. And the ideal motivation to do so. So before I immediately am like, that couldn't exist, I'd be like, well, you know, honestly, that sounds plausible. Yeah. It really does. That Of all the places that could happen, that sounds about right to me. Well, it's Sasquatch just... on the moon? No. I hope so, but no. Sasquatch in Vietnam? Yeah, probably. We're always joking, like, we would love to explore not space. We're not huge on exploring space, but exploring the ocean. Yeah, I want to go down. I don't care about going up. Because if you think, like, oh, that thing couldn't exist, it's like, then... Think about the world's largest fish that could be possibly living in the ocean. Anglerfish. Anglerfish are a great example. And what's crazy about anglerfish, they're even weirder than you think. First of all, the ones with the lights, those are the females. And mm. only the females. The males are like the size of minnows. And you know how they breed? They swim up to the side of females. Multiple ones do it. Because each one will, uh, why can't I think, uh, it'll fertilize an egg. But they just melt into her body. Okay, explain that. The yeah. platypus. You don't have to even look that deep into the water. Look at that fucking thing. You're going to tell me that somebody didn't believe that that was a cryptid at some point? Yeah. A poisonous duck-billed egg-laying uh, beaver? Are you fucking kidding me? That's not real. That's weirder than half the cryptids we talk about. We talk about big frogs. Yeah. Like, that's a significantly weirder like thing. Frog, but big? And people are like, don't be ridiculous. Bullshit. And then we have something that's like, uh, yeah, it's a bird that lives in Australia, and it can recreate the sounds of chainsaws and people talking. <laughs> it's like, like okay, yeah, that's, that's a liar bird. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, then why don't you believe that some of this other shit, like an octopus, like octopi, you know, like they're, this is just our animals are awesome rant at the end of this. Yeah. But, you know, like octopi, they're so much smarter than you would think. They're, incapa they're capable of incredible thought. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know, I just... We're not at the top of the food chain, which means that we shouldn't think, or the upper limit of the food chain, I should say. Yeah. And I don't think we're the most keen observers. So I don't think that we should approach all of these things as if we are. Yeah. You know, like, Saturn has hundreds of rings. We can observe eight, and we worship it. We talk about how eight's an important number, because there are eight rings. No, there are over 300. You can see eight, because you have a limited ray visibility in your eyeball, because you're a fucking human. Yeah. That's why you think there are eight. But we'll make a big deal and say, well, you know, the second ring means this. Well, what about the 229th ring? What's that one mean? That's a color you can't even define because you can't see it. It's, we have our limits. Yeah. So I think when it comes to that, I look at these sort of cryptids the same way. It's like, I can't see all the rings of Saturn. I'm not going to say I can see every monster, too. Maybe there are some out there I've never seen. Mm -hmm. And monsters inflammatory, I guess. I probably shouldn't say that. I, I, bet, I bet Sasquatches are sweet. It's like the same thing that can be said with dragons as well. Like, yeah. any... any we're so quick to disbar any mythological or urban legend or anything like that, any sort of creature that doesn't fit 
But like, we don't know. We don't know what fucking dinosaurs actually looked like. Yeah, we have a very rough idea. Look at the Velociraptor. Yeah. You know, very marketable in the Jurassic Park sense. Quite literally, we're really pissed off looking little turkeys. Yeah. That's what they actually were. They were covered in feathers. They looked like condors. They were gross. There's like a, I think there's a desire for what we want it to be. And then there's like a realism. And I think that's where sometimes people want to get cynical because yeah. I think more people would argue with you that a raptor looked like that than that Sasquatch exists and it's like no we know for a fact a raptor didn't look like that oh yeah that's a thing we know yeah you're right though it's a we like with dragons who knows it's I think to say that like we quite literally had dragons on this planet you know we had oh, yeah. what is described as a dragon that existed yeah so to be especially like Chinese dragons to be like it doesn't exist anymore I mean, I could see a dinosaur in one of those canyons, man. Are you sure oh, it yeah. doesn't exist anymore? I mean, look at Komodo dragons. Just yeah. get, just get like. Don't a, though. Well, yeah, Never make terrifying. eye contact with one. Um, but yeah, just like these crazy giant poisonous creatures, and then we're like, oh, but they fl- they flew. No. Yeah, that's where we drew the line. It's like Couldn't the birds wings. fly. Yeah. And we also have these dinosaurs that very clearly flew. And also, yeah, the things these all became, they all fly. So it would be an evolution of them to be able to fly. Yeah. Nah, definitely didn't happen. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's our story about, well, the first half of our story about Gigantopithecus. Next week, we'll talk about the one that got shipped away during the war, the allegedly. The one that got away. Yeah, the one that got away, the Minnesota Iceman, who's actually from Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and But until that, Ke- uh, Caleb, as always, has a, a riddle. Yes. You. Last week's riddle, uh, what happens once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years uh, Grandpa got it right. He did. In our comments, it's the letter M. Yes. Once in a minute, twice in a moment, never in a thousand years. One of the best letters in the alphabet, I think. Uh, this I'm week's. <laughs> this week's. Uh, what has a head? A tail is brown, but has no legs. A rock ape. Oh, that's been cut in half. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. If you enjoyed and you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. We love you very much. Bye. Yeah, you gotta throw your car batteries in the ocean, recharge the eels. No, you eat them. When they're dead, you eat them. The eels? No, you eat them. They're not that great. You break them down, you digest them. You eat batteries? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do with them. Mm. What do you do with them? I throw them in the ocean, recharge (laughs) the eels. I think I made that pretty clear. (laughs) If you want to make somebody feel bad, the easiest way is to be like, what do you do with your batteries? They're like, oh man, come on, not right now. Hey, that an insult to throw. You look like you throw your batteries in the trash. <laughs> it's like, first of all, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? But second of all, yeah, I do, and now I feel bad about it. Shit, that's accurate. Is that an insult? Oh, no. Uh, the correct answer is keep them in a gallon Ziploc bag that you keep in a, like a little tote in your basement. So that's what I do. I bury them. I hide them. To grow, bar- to grow battery trees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>